Welcome to season two of the Mentium Matters podcast. This is Solvay Brown, and I'm here today with my podcast co-host, Megan Cummings-Kruger. Hi, Solvay, and welcome, everyone. We are so excited to be starting our second season. We have so many great guests lined up. We do. Last year, Mentium celebrated its 30th anniversary, so we kicked off season one with 30 episodes to celebrate this milestone. This season will continue to focus our conversations on leadership, life, and the transformative power of mentoring. Each episode will also have deep insights, thought-provoking ideas, and actionable advice. Megan, you have been at Mentium for 16 years. Most mentees know you from leading the big launch calls. You are so committed to Mentium's mission and mentoring. Can you share more about why mentoring is so near and dear to your heart? Sure. You know, I think whenever you find yourself fortunate enough to be working in the world of mentoring, you never want to leave. I mean, it is such meaningful work. As we like to say at Mentium, we have a little mantra when we're going through the whole long match process, which is we're changing lives one match at a time. (laughs) But it also is really a window into seeing the absolute best in people. You know, people who choose, no matter how busy, no matter how chaotic lives may be, they choose to dedicate time to support others. And I would say, you know, over, of course, 16 years, and I can't believe it's already been 16, but in 16 years, I've certainly seen a lot of change, including an increasingly virtual world before COVID. But this current climate is the most challenging that I've seen. And, you know, for a number of reasons, global pandemic resulting in extremely virtual and sometimes hybrid working world, a pace of change that, quite frankly, I am amazed it somehow manages to continue to get faster. It can just all be very overwhelming and stressful. So I honestly don't think there's ever been a better time to be in a mentor partnership, to be able to pause, take a step back, remember who we are, where we are and where we want to go. I think that's just such a gift in times like these. You are so right. I am just always so in awe of all the the mentors' commitment to helping mentees be and do their best. So I, I also agree. It's just never been more important than now. Jennifer Meyer and I recently looked at some of the aggregate interview and survey data to better understand mentees' goals and challenges. And we found so many mentees are feeling that stress of that new normal that you talked about, that accelerated change, the uncertainty, work and home environments that are busier than ever. We also looked at the top areas that mentees wanted to work on with a mentor for professional development. So the top areas were career planning, executive presence, and authentic self-promotion, with the next three areas being navigating organizational politics, strategic thinking, and developing and building teams. We also found that mentees want to gain confidence so that they can communicate more effectively, share their ideas, influence, be stronger leaders, and just in general make a bigger pact in their organization organization. I love that this podcast allows people to hear the perspective and wisdom of our amazing mentors on core leadership development principles. Yes, it was just excellent to have you and Jennifer do that research. I mean, it confirms statistically what we've been seeing anecdotally. You know, there's a reason why we hear terms like imposter syndrome more and more, because it's just so difficult to remain confident when we're continually sitting in that reactive pose, you know, having to respond to everything that comes at us, you know, from every direction. 
I have heard so many mentees talk about feeling like they are constantly being reactive. And through the mentoring program, they are hoping that they can learn to be more proactive, even during times where lots of stuff is coming at you quickly. So, Megan, we always talk about how much we've learned from doing this podcast. What have been some of your favorite takeaways from season one? You know, it was an amazing season. We launched the podcast last year with the intent initially that it would be a celebration of our 30th anniversary, which is amazing. But it was also a response to the very real needs we were seeing in our community, mentees, mentors, in response to these really unique times. We've always seen what a benefit Mentium has of having such an amazing long-term mentor community. I mean, we have years of collective wisdom in our mentor pool. So we really wanted to share our mentors well of wisdom more broadly. So we framed it around four main areas of need that we were continually hearing and seeing. And the first, of course, not surprisingly, was around all the change we are experiencing. You know, the expression was just a few years ago, change is the new normal. I mean, that's been true for a while, but the pace has just accelerated, uh, not the least of which in influenced by a global pandemic. In fact, in Mentium's business education webinar this month, Marcy Heerman talked about the term VUCA. And some of you may be familiar with this. It's been coined and to describe the current environment that we've been all going through these past couple of years. VUCA stands for Volatile, Uncertain, Complex, Ambiguity. <laughs> I think that captures it pretty well. The second area of need was around communication. You know, communication, of course, is always a core foundational skill. But now that we are communicating in this newly virtual hybrid world, it really adds yet another layer of complexity, both professionally and personally. And then another issue that has always merited attention, but has increased in its urgency, is looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion following the murder of George Floyd. And then finally, you know, both as a result of all these changes, most especially with the blurring of lines between our work life and our home life, we've seen a really rapid recognition that we need to see ourselves and each other more holistically to be able to see the whole person. Um, and as a result, from that also came a related focus on wellness. So that's essentially how we ended up structuring season one. Megan, that was a great recap of the four areas where we saw the most need this year. Let's talk about each area and some of the takeaways we got from the podcast. I'll start with change, which was such a huge topic. Everyone talked about change in some form or fashion. I loved when Dr. Rossai talked about the importance of resilience during these turbulent times. She suggested using the three Gs to shift your mindset, which are gratitude, grit, and grace. She said that people should practice daily gratitude, and cultivate a mindset of grit so that they can put one foot in front of the other, even when it's hard. And finally, she said that during these times, it is especially important to extend grace to yourself and to others because it has been hard for everyone to bring their best self to all situations. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my conversation with Jennifer Meyer also offered a great perspective of what can result when we pause to see where we are. You know, I've always loved the quote from the Cheshire Cat from Alice in Wonderland. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. <laughs> so in Jennifer's case, she had experienced a fast rise to a role that she loved. However, 
when she ended up reflecting on all the changes that resulted from the pandemic, she came to realize that in that moment of time, what she and her family most needed was for her to take a step back from the work life that she knew. And one of the things I particularly appreciated about Jennifer's podcast is she intentionally chose to record her episode on the day before she took her sabbatical from her corporate role. I just thought it was such a mentoring thing to do, you know, to be open and vulnerable in that moment to share her story for others who might be going through a similar experience. Yeah, I really like Jennifer's interview because I think that oftentimes people feel like they're the only one experiencing challenges and just hearing her speak about making that decision in such raw terms was just so heartening. In one of the earlier episodes, I interviewed Artie Linworth, who has mentored for Mentium for more than 25 years. And he also talked about change management in the terms of three steps, which he said, one is seeing what is needed, which he called the gap analysis. He said, two, you need to close the gap. And three, he said, you need to motivate the team to get it done. According to Artie, that to be an effective leader and to motivate your team to make changes, there are three things that an employee is looking for. They want to know, does this leader care for me? Can this leader help me? And do I trust this leader? So I already said that is really the foundation of good leadership and change management. I love this quote he used. He said, your workers don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. In that change vein, Jim Gwaltney, who is one of the voices of experience in the July Business Education Webinar, also thought it was really important for managers to be approachable. He gave excellent practical advice for transitioning from an employee that is task-driven to a manager. He said this is probably one of the hardest changes people go through because he said executives, it's hard to get them away from doing tasks. But what you really need to be doing is to make time to concentrate more on being a visionary and figuring out the best strategies for the future of the organization. I Yeah, I just even just going over all this again, I just love the perspectives and the experience this podcast was able to capture. So another conversation that stands out for me around change was Nabil Rod's podcast, in part because I just love the nickname that he's been given over the years. He is called the MacGyver of Team Solutions. (laughs) And so during his uh, interview, of course, he shared a number of stories that often included examples of really out-of-the-box creative approaches he's taken in order to increase team communication and productivity. So two of my favorites that I'll just call out for now is he has a practice of rotating leadership within his teams. And I love the time that he brought an author professor in to teach his team that professor's area of specialty. And that professor was part of the team for a period of time. And then the other thing I do want to highlight from this episode was a really integral part of Nabil's ability to think so creatively really is the result of him having such a rich global childhood. He grew up in three cultures, and then he followed that with an adult life living in numerous other cultures. I literally lost track of the number. And so, you know, we talked about how his multicultural perspective really allows him to almost automatically consider any problem from many different angles. You know, in this mentoring world, we talk often about how the power of mentoring is the result of being able to see through another's eyes. So when you listen to Nabil, you realize what a gift it is to have begun that process of strengthening that skill right from the start of your childhood. Yes, definitely. His multicultural experience was just fascinating. I was like, oh my goodness. 
You know, when you're speaking of perspective, another interview I really loved was Janine Rivet, and she gave a fascinating retrospective of her career, which just showed how much things have changed for women in the workplace over the past 50 years. And I am so grateful to Janine and all the women like her who have worked hard to create changes in the workforce that have benefited all of us. Yeah, viewing, you know, viewing history through those personal stories, you know, has such an impact and it's good reminder, I would say. All right, so now let's shift our focus over to our second area and share some of the takeaways that you and I had around the topic of communication. And I will start by saying the first one that comes to mind that focuses on how to thrive in an age of disruption. And he wrote it before COVID. So he really is a subject matter expert on so much of this. And of course, communication is so critical to his efforts, as is structure and expectations. You know, one of my favorite takeaways that stuck with me was his observation, how critical it is to identify ahead of time what the purpose of your meeting will be and how that then provides the guardrails for what is communicated and when it's communicated. So he breaks meetings down into three primary types, meetings that focus on information sharing, problem solving, and decision making. And when he broke it down that way, it just made so much sense to me. And then he highlighted how effective communication can be when the expectations are set ahead of time and you stay focused on the purpose of the meeting. I loved how Tom described that he calls out the purpose ahead of time. I have never looked at meetings in the same way since hearing that. And I found that I want more clarity <laughs> when I'm in a meeting on what the purpose of the meeting is. Because a lot of times it gets conflated. And so I just love that you have a, a real focus on that. One of the areas that I learned a lot from doing the podcast was related to conflict resolution. Several people talked about this in their podcast. And in the July business education webinar on managing up, Jim Gwaltney and Pam Hollander talked about the importance of managing conflict. Bobby Dahlgren led a team at one point where she said everyone had very different communication styles. And so she intentionally created a team norm where they could have robust discussions and take the risk of having people's feelings hurt and misunderstanding each other. Bobby believes that if conflict is avoided, conflict grows. So with her team, they all committed to listening to each other to find some sort of common ground. And then like Bobby, Krish Ramakrishnan also believes that ignoring conflict is the worst strategy. And he suggests that it should be nipped in the bud. He said, when you, when it, you see conflict, he said, do something about it. And he also reminded me that conflict is not always bad and that it's really important to create this space where you can have professional disagreement that is not personal. He also shared some really interesting case studies where leaders intentionally created work environments where open communication, collaboration, and innovation could thrive. And then the final thing on conflict that I thought was really interesting was when Al Johnson talked about strengthening your conflict management and negotiation skills by changing your mindset before you go into the meeting. He says people often go into these conversations with a win-lose mindset, which creates a lot of anxiety because they fear they're going to get the short end of the stick. So he said, if you just take a breath before you go into the meeting and go in with a mindset that you can find a path forward, then no one has to lose. 
So to do this, he suggests that you should plan to do more listening than talking and really try to understand what the other side wants so you can figure out the best path where both parties will move forward in a meaningful way. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so much of the wisdom that comes out, especially in topics like this, is just wonderful ways of reframing and looking at things and approaching it in a different way and, and that intention, right? Totally, um, yeah. So in my conversation with Pam Hollander, it's it's always great to hear from a subject matter expert. And in her case, it's personal brand. So she spoke about how transformative a clearly communicated self-definition can be. And I just loved how she put that. And she emphasized that the very first step of that process is to take time to first communicate with ourselves, meaning pause and take a moment, get to know ourselves again, and look at what is our brand? What is What are our unique abilities? And she shared that as she's gone through this process, which is repeated throughout our lives, throughout our careers, it has allowed her to capture the learning into broader definition of who she is today. And she also highlighted the fact that this process of getting back in touch with ourselves, increasing our self-awareness is such an important aspect, of course, of mentoring as well. Yeah, her notion of personal brand makes me think of Zoa Norma's episode. Zoa offered specific advice on how to speak so people will listen and to manage up by using concise communication. That is just an example of the modulating she talked about. She's like, you know, intentionally use your voice faster or slower, you know, and people will listen differently. She talked about, you know, when you're communicating with someone, it's really important to observe their reactions to what you are telling them. And then also ask for feedback to make sure that you're reading their reaction correctly and not just making assumptions about what they might be thinking. She also offered great tips for specific ways people can enhance their video executive presence through their posture, background, clothing choice, and body language. I mean, just excellent information. And, you know, feedback was another important aspect of my conversation with Peter Borbrick. We looked at the topic of communication from the vantage point of communicating across difference. So in that respect, we took advantage of his 25 years of global experience, including the five years that he lived in Japan. So as he shared in his experiences, he talked about how it led to his realization of how critical it is to be intentional in both how and what we communicate. And as you were saying with Zoa, building that habit of always confirming understanding that that is what is essential to building a culture of trust and therefore clear communication. Another takeaway that I really appreciated from this particular conversation was an expression Peter shared that when people understand the why, the how becomes easier. That is so true. I just think about that, you know, in my life. That is, I, the how is always easier <laughs> when you understand why you're doing something. Our very first podcast episode featured CEO Lynn Sontag. And Lynn talked about the growth opportunities of mentoring at the difference and learning from people with a different perspective. I feel like this is especially relevant right now, that that's what mentoring is, is finding those points of difference and working through them. 
Jane Hagen also had a lot of great tips for communicating more effectively. She talked about the generational differences in communication and gave a great summary of the preferred communication styles of each generation. So Jane said that baby boomers prefer more formal, direct communication. They like research and background information. Gen X prefers informal and flexible communication like email and texting. They also value professional etiquette. Millennials appreciate authentic, efficient communication such as text or chat. And she said Gen Z prefers transparency and they have a preference for face-to-face -face digital communication. So she suggested mirroring the communication pattern of the person you are interacting with. Yeah, just so many, so many ways we can be communicating across difference, right? Yeah. Yeah. I loved all of the all of the conversations around communication. And I, I like the intentionality behind them too, of let you can flex your communication a little more to respond to all the changes and all the different people you're working with. Yeah, there's such a, a creased recognition of not assuming that what you said was heard as you thought by the other person. Yeah, and, it, and what a difference that makes when you really consider how can I best be heard? by that other person in the way I want, absolutely. All right, that brings us to our third area of focus, and that was the heightening recognition for the need for greater progress around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we ended up having a number of really insightful, candid conversations around this topic. And the first that comes to my mind is my conversation with Toya Workheiser. You know, she echoed a message I heard from all the other mentors regarding this topic. She emphasized the time has come to normalize conversations, to have those courageous conversations which have traditionally been avoided in the corporate world. I mean, much like what we were hearing, same message from the conflict resolution, in the moment having that communication. So in Toya's case, following the murder of George Floyd as an executive in her organization, she chose to role model vulnerability. She realized that just as she was not okay, there were so many others who were also not okay. And she saw that COVID blurring of the boundary between work and life as an opportunity to recognize the reality that we have always brought our whole selves to work. So she sent out an email to her colleagues and it included a picture of her biracial family. And she shared that she was not okay, that she was feeling fear for her children, and also that she believed that we needed to get through this time together. The company then asked if they could share her email across the organization so that others could benefit from hearing her perspective as a black woman as well, and it resulted in creating the space where many courageous conversations followed. And so Toya's takeaway was that when we intentionally choose to be open with others, it allows us to make real connections as well as seeing from other vantage points. She also shared her own five-step approach to initiating courageous conversations around the topic of race. I'll let everyone listen to the podcast to hear more about this, but uh, just a uh, a lot of wealth of wisdom in that conversation. Oh, definitely. That was such a powerful episode. Prior to talking to Dr. Delroy Birch, the report Being Black in Corporate America came out. And the report, for those of you that haven't read it, indicates that there's a lot of work to be done to close gaps in leadership, reduce racism, and create workplace environments where employees feel empowered. So currently only 3.2% of executives and senior level managers are African-American, and only 1% of Fortune 500 companies have an African-American CEO. 65% of African-American employees feel that it is harder for them to advance. So Dell kind of framed the report for us and he described some of the barriers to advancement that professionals of color face in corporate America, including unconscious bias. 
He noted that African-American professionals often hit a glass ceiling and many aren't made aware of opportunities for leadership development. He also talked about the importance of having DEI programs that are actually effective. He also said it is especially important to create an environment of diverse and representative senior leadership for so many different reasons. Yeah. And so Shunda Robinson was another executive who spoke about the defining moment that followed the murder of George Floyd when there was a need for organizations to address race, equity, and inclusion differently than they had in the past. As she put it, DE&I has to be what we do and say in the hallways every day. We need to ask the question, why don't we talk about race? Because when we avoid talking about the obvious, unfortunate assumptions can be made. In the end, just as we talk about with mentoring, feedback needs to be seen as the gift that it is. In Shunda's case, she and her organization's Diversity Council created the space and the tools to talk across the organization to make sure that those conversations about race were happening. So in their case, the council met They recorded their open discussion of how they were doing as individuals, the concerns that they had, as well as the empathy that they felt. They then sent this recording to all of their leaders organization-wide with the offer that they would support them with their own team conversations. And I remember her saying in 90 days, she participated in 55 plus listening sessions and how cathartic and impactful every one of them was. I then had the benefit of another insightful conversation about DE&I with Kimberly Strong. So as an African-American woman who rose to the C-suite, Kim has seen her approach of meeting people where they are as one of the reasons for her success, both professionally and personally. And again, she had some great examples. One that I really appreciated, I mean, this is something she's done throughout her career. Whenever she would travel for work, she would check all her connections, whether on LinkedIn or Facebook, to see who lived there. She'd send out an open invite to anyone who lived there to meet in her hotel lobby if they were free and interested. She said, I never knew who was going to show up, but in every case, people showed up. She was able to strengthen her connections with them, that commonality, as well as being able to connect them with each other, which of course is such a mentor thing to do. And she also shared, whenever she's about to meet a new contact, she does her research. She will look for common ground as a path to connection. So that is, as she shared, kind of the professional form of her own personal habit. She said that whenever she flies, she has always made it a personal challenge to figure out at least one thing she has in common with the neighbor sitting next to her. She said, yes, I'm that passenger. (laughs) Oh, man, that is, I love it when I sit by people like that. But that is just such an excellent example of networking, creating community and finding commonality with people. Kirby Burton talked about the importance of mentoring programs to increase the representation of black professionals in senior, senior leadership roles. He shared stories about his mentors and how important they were to him earlier in his career. He is so passionate about giving back and has developed mentoring programs that have increased the representation of black professionals at senior levels in technology. Yeah. Again, we could go on forever, but want to cover our final topic, which is a result of the pandemic blurring the boundary between work life and home life. It's brought to the forefront the need again to be able to see ourselves, meet ourselves again, and see each other more holistically and pay attention to wellness 
during these uniquely stressful times. I think my conversation with Nick Snopley is a good starting point because our conversation was really focused largely on how essential self-awareness is. You know, one of his mantras is control the controllables, by which he meant that we have the ability to reframe, reframe our view of a situation as well as our view of ourselves. And he makes it a habit to build habits. <laughs> I also really liked an equation that he shared that really captures how he approaches things. He heard it from a motivational speaker and it is event plus response equals outcome. And, and I find that just a great reminder from time to time. Oh, definitely. In my interview with Alan Byfield, he shared that one of the biggest lessons he has learned in his 30-year career is that you have to prioritize self-development, which often goes along with taking risks. He used the analogy of a potted plant that was root-bound and that people have to figure out how to create a bigger container for themselves when they are root-bound. He has encouraged so many of his mentees to take risks necessary to expand their life and their career. To do this, many people said, personal and professional goals, including goals on wellness and creating new habits. So I love part one of Deb Herrera's podcast because she offered fantastic goal clarifying questions that I have found really helpful. She also gave excellent advice on how to take small steps and kind of build mini habits like Nick was talking about to meet those wellness goals. And in part one of Jane Hagen's episode, she reminded us of the importance of making sure your goals are aligned with your values and life purpose, because if they are not, she said, you will be at a high risk of burnout. So to, to that point, Deb also commented that her clients have had increasing rates of burnout over this past 18 months. So she described the signs of burnout that most people ignore. They were quick trigger emotions, negative thoughts, depression, questioning your purpose in an unhealthy way, and physical symptoms such as aches, pains, headaches, fatigue, and not being able to sleep. She said that the key to reversing the negative impacts of burnout is self-care and asking for help. She noted that many people don't like to ask for help, so she suggested that you reframe it as, who can I invite to participate in this? I love that. Yeah, I do too. It's just the power of the reframe, right? Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And you know, uh, all of these mentors understand these challenges when we're very focused on doing work well and you know focused on oftentimes our family needs and it's just so powerful to be hearing them and hearing their examples of why it really is so important for ourselves and our organizations to be able to take care of ourselves so another great episode that comes to my mind is my conversation with ebony adams monk so she's a both a corporate executive and also another author. And in writing her book, she looked at wisdom traditions and she found there were common themes across all cultures, the need for purpose and a sense of belonging and community and the universal thread of truth, as she called it, that we are all connected. Ebony spoke about how this relates to the corporate world, how when she is managing cross-functional teams, it doesn't matter what the function is. While, of course, we see everything from our own perspective, there is always that common theme of wanting to feel valued and to feel we belong. And we certainly at Mentim and the Cross-Company Program, where mentees and mentors are on you know, different organizations, we have always seen this be the case, that in the end, really, as you're gaining those skills, as you're moving up the ladder, it really comes down to these topics that we're talking about, much less those functional skills, right? Oh, so definitely. 
And then the last thing I'll share with Ebony is she shared what helped her the most in dealing with all these challenges. One of the most actful, impactful things has been ensuring she takes time for reflection. And I just love how she captured it. She said, we need to stop compounding experience after experience without doing any reflection. You know, and again, we hear this all the time. I think maybe one of the one things we can take from this global pandemic is we are all becoming increasingly aware of the need to pause and be able to take that time to reflect. That is such a good reminder. And I love, you know, Ebony's reminder also that we are all connected and we all have similar needs. I did a great interview with Artie Linworth and Elsie Chapa, and it was so much fun to do because Artie mentored Elsie like 17 years ago, and they kept in touch over the years and finally got to meet for the first time in person after 17 years. And it was just so much fun because they had met recently for the first time right before I did the interview. And it was just fun to hear about that. It's fun to hear you know, the, all the ways that Artie helped Elsie and then Elsie's paying it back now through mentoring herself. And it just really exemplified the enduring power of the mentor-mentee connection. After that, Artie and his wife went on a road trip specifically to meet former mentees in person. They even stopped at the Minneapolis office and some of us got to have lunch with him. And I just thought that was so cool. So he sent us pictures along the road of, of everyone that he got to meet up with. So, I mean, this is just, just such a great example of the enduring power of the mentor-mentee connection. And I thought that Dr. Sue Stanek, who recently retired as a senior consultant for Mentium, summed up mentoring beautifully. She said that mentors cause us to look higher to see the bigger picture, wider to see things more diversely, and deeper to examine our heart and soul. I love that. And it's, I was going to say, you really captured Artie and Sue really well <laughs> in that. Um, so I guess as we finish our retrospective of season one, we want to express our heartfelt thanks to our mentors for sharing their time and their stories on our podcast. We just so appreciated being able to provide them with the opportunity to share their wisdom with a broader audience. And we appreciated the ability to share our mentor community with all of you podcast listeners. We are also excited for season two. This season, we are going to connect the podcast with the monthly theme of the business education webinars. We have fantastic podcast guests lined up from our dynamic Mentium community of leaders. In August, we'll be focusing on emotional intelligence. September's theme will be courageous conversations. In October, we will discuss personal brand. And in November, we'll talk about imposter syndrome. And in December, we'll come back to thriving through change. We'll be regularly releasing podcasts each month. Like Megan said, we are so grateful to our mentors for sharing their insights and wisdom. And we are so grateful for everyone who is listening to the Mentium Matters podcast. We look forward to having you tune in for season two. 